Hello, everyone. This is Food Talk executive producer Rob Perra. Danny will be conducting interviews here every day, talking with experts on food and agriculture and discussing topics like the impact of COVID-19 on the food system, unsung food heroes, how climate change continues to be a threat to agriculture, and other pressing social and environmental challenges that impact farmers, eaters, and the economy. On today's episode, Danny talks with Liz Newmark, founder and CEO of Great Performances and founder and board member of the Sylvia Center, about the impact of COVID-19 on the catering and hospitality industry. They also discuss helping children learn healthy habits, which is particularly important in our current climate. Please take a minute to subscribe, rate, and review this podcast, and also share this episode on your social media channels. Enjoy the show. Hey, everyone. Welcome to Food Talk Live. This episode will also appear on our podcast, Food Talk with Danny Nirenberg, and you you can subscribe on Google uh, Play or iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. Um, Today, I get to chat with Liz Newmark, the founder and CEO of Great Performances, one of the country's foremost catering companies. She is also the founder of... uh, one of the founders of the Sylvia Center. Um, Liz has been a really, really awesome partner to Food Tank uh, over the years. She caters our events with really sustainably grown, delicious, and socially just food. She's one of um, those people who's really uh, sort of a force of nature. She's doing amazing things all the time, and I can't believe she took time out of her day uh, to talk to us. Liz, thank you so much for being uh, on the show. I just want to make sure before we start that you're safe and healthy right now and all your family members are yeah no we're 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 good i took a call from one of my daughters overseas who gave me just like a 10 minute lecture at five o'clock in the morning about (laughs) that i should not go to see uh my dad who's 92 on the west side so wow yeah it must be funny my uh, stepkids are seven and eleven it must be funny when your kids start lecturing you because i'm I'm so used to telling them things um it was great so you, as I said, you, you run this amazing catering company. You do all these amazing things with the Sylvia Center um, with events across New York and across the country and across the world, you know, being um, canceled and, uh, because of COVID-19. What's your perspective on, on what's happening and how are you sort of changing your tactics and, and what is your kitchen doing now that it wasn't doing, you know, three weeks ago? Right. Uh, you know, it was uh, one day we were booking business and the next day the cancellation started and mm-hmm. then it just multiplied and multiplied. And within days, uh, an entire season just dropped off and everybody went from whatever their value was as a company to, to zero. Yeah. Um, and we'd never seen anything like it. Uh, it cultural institution after, you know, it was like, they were just dropping like flies. Um, but we've been around. This is also, ironically, our, our 40th anniversary. Wow, congratulations. You're <laughs> right, to make it to this. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we had big plans for a nice big old summer party, a block party and up in the Bronx outside our new facility. Um, but what that means is that we went through 9-11. We were downtown. We stood. We watched everything that happened that morning. Uh, and within 48 hours, we were working for the Red Cross and producing 
thousands of meals. I mean, it was a very different time because it was an event and then, you know, the, the resilience and the recovery started right away. Um, but the same thing after the, the market crash in, in 08 and how it decimated uh, our business, Sandy, how it shut everything down. And because we've been around so long and, and um, our vision of the food world is not this narrow little uh, sliver of very privileged people who can afford our services, mm -hmm. we've always had a very um, a broad community approach to the food in New York City. So both 9-11, uh, Sandy, the blackouts, uh, we've been involved in emergency relief efforts. Yeah, of course. So we connected uh, with the city and Kate McKinsey was driving uh, the first meetings, which were, <laughs> they were still in person. I think that was the last big in-person meeting with 20 people. Wow. And we um, applied to work with DIFTA, which is the Department for the Aged. Oh. And we uh, signed a contract last weekend to feed 8,000 uh, elderly, New Yorkers who can't go to senior centers for their free meals. Uh, they gave us the island of Manhattan. So that's where our oh. eight days. <laughs> I said, we'll take Manhattan. Uh, and every senior gets a box with five meals in it. Nice. And so what's, what's really unusual about this um, engagement for us is not only that we're producing these 40,000 meals, but we agreed to deliver them. So the pivot is this time last year, you know, we're making exquisite, tiny, little precious hors d'oeuvres. Sure. And now we're making nutrient dense, healthy for seniors, soft uh, meals. Yeah. And our waiters who, uh, you know, this time last year were black tie galas and serving that gorgeous little food are now uh, in NYCHA public housing and in other neighborhoods and communities delivering food to a very, very different slice of, of New York. Yeah, wow, that really paints a picture, Liz. That's so, such a dramatic contrast. And, you know, I, I think, gosh, I'm, I'm sure these, like, because you cook such delicious food, and I know these meals, even though they're being cooked on this sort of massive scale, are are, have to be as delicious as everything else you make. Can you tell us some of the meals that you've been making? Yeah, um, it's roasted turkey, it's roasted chicken, uh, it's, uh, we have a wonderful dish with a great ricotta with um, rice, and we have some, you know, we have to really, we have an on-staff nutritionist who balances the meals. Uh, we have fresh vegetables, whether it's broccoli, beans. I was on the line this week. I'm trying to think what, what we plated up. We have sweet potatoes. We have mashed potatoes. That's um, a comfort food, it sounds like. <laughs> it, it's comfort, and it's, it's easy to digest, and it's easy to reheat. Uh, some bread, we've got to make sure it's not too much bread, not too much butter, uh, mm -hmm. low sodium, uh, fruit. So it's... Um, yeah, I mean, it kind of looked delicious. Yeah, it sounds great. <laughs> it sounds better than what I've been making lately, to be honest. Do you think other companies in New York and elsewhere are pivoting in the same way that you've been able to? I mean, like, I've known you for a while, and you're good at, you're good at crisis management because I think it's part of, like, what you have to do in catering. Right. But, you know, some... You know, a lot of restaurateurs haven't known what to do, and a lot of caterers haven't known what to do. 
what what are you seeing sort of from your colleagues in, in the in the food system there? Uh, I, I think a lot of people are shut down. I think uh, for us, it's in our DNA, even though a lot of caterers deal with the unexpected, if you're yeah. going to be in catering, you have to. But having the, I mean, the whole staff, as we, before we picked up these contracts and before we knew what was going on, uh, you know, we were doing our furloughs, we were emptying our refrigerators, we were consolidating um, so we could lower our electric footprint. And I said to you know the team, I said, you know, we're really trying to to find work. Um, they said, we know you will. Mm-hmm. And you know, it's important for a couple of reasons. Obviously, it's important because there's great need out there, but it's also important for us to feel empowered to be part of this force of doing good. Yeah. And and you know, there's this you know how every week has a different theme. I think I think what's bubbling up for me this week. Um, is is this notion of well? It's gratitude. Uh, mm-hmm. It's 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 not only the gratitude when we we see people and we're feeding people, but it's it's the gratitude our our, our folks have to be working. And yeah. you know, of course, there's a giant giant difference, which is the risk they're taking, the risk we're all taking. Um, but we're we're grateful to be serving New York. That's amazing, and I mean. I've, I've talked to a lot of chefs over the last week and a half and a lot of, you know, folk, folks who work for, you know, like the James Beard Foundation. And I think there's a real grief that a lot of chefs and caterers and others are sort of feeling right now. But what you're talking about is you're turning that grief into action. And I know it's so difficult to, you know, have to let employees go. But you mentioned before we started this live cast that you're also having trouble finding people to, to work for you. So it's, it's kind of ironic during this time. Well, I mean, one, on one level, people are afraid. Yeah. And not everybody has a car or can walk to where our kitchen is. And I, I really recognize that. Yeah. Um, so, so, and, and fear is healthy. Fear is what makes me not do stupid things like, oh, I could just take the train. There's no one on the train. I can take the train up to the front. <laughs> no, I'm either going to walk, take my bike or drive. Sure. Um, and, and I go into the kitchen and I put the fear of God into everybody who's working there because we have to be fearful. Uh, and that balance of, of fear and that willingness to take a risk, uh, you know, it's incredible because it's not only the, the people I'm working with, it's people who are keeping drugstores open and supermarkets open and doing the food in takeout places. And, and, and it goes beyond saying it's, it's healthcare workers. So, mm-hmm. you know, it's that opportunity to really think about a segment of the po- There's so many segments that are impacted in such profound ways. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and those putting themselves at risk for us is, is another one. Yeah, you and your team are definitely, you know, unsung heroes, like, you know, the folks working at grocery stores and, and at pharmacies and everything else you mentioned. And that's what we're trying to do with these live casts is really shine a spotlight on, on, you know, all the stuff that you're doing, you know, you've, you've, it's, this is not the first time you've been involved in, in this kind of work, obviously. Um, but you, you have a strong sort of record of, of helping those in need. And I know the Sylvia Center is very close to your heart. Can you tell our viewers what that's all sure. about? And, and sure. you know, what, what's going on with the, the center during this time? Right. Um, so the Sylvia Center teaches children how to cook. 
because, and, and they're really kids who are in communities that are most at risk for diet-related disease. Mm -hmm. And fundamentally, if you don't know how to cook and you have a limited budget, uh, you're really going to be eating a lot of fast food and uh, lose control and, and, and get sick. Mm -hmm. So we, um, we love working with kids because it's, 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 <laughs> it's planting seeds. It's really creating a community of healthy eaters. And, and they really want to. Mm -hmm. They want to change the trajectory for their family. They, they, and you don't need fancy food to do it. You just need to know how to cook a plain old chicken. Um, so Sylvia Center works upstate in Columbia County based on our, uh, our small little organic farm up there and also in public housing throughout the city. We work with little kids. We work with teenagers. Uh, we teach teenagers how to teach kids. So that's an interesting dynamic that goes on. And because the community centers have been closed down, the classes uh, were canceled. So, but we went online and uh, the Sylvia Center is doing videos on YouTube and teaching our kids where they still, you know, when they're done with school, they can still come to us um, and they're going to continue to learn their skills. Great. That's yeah. great. That's fantastic. Yeah. And I love that, you know, you're both caring for children and you're caring for the elderly during this time. These are the most vulnerable populations and, and often the ones sort of, you know, most at, not only most at risk, but sort of most ignored. You know, we're not thinking about them as, as much as we should be. So it's, it's a really sort of, it, it gives me a lot of hope. Yeah, no, it, 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 for me too. And, you know, it's so interesting because these older people are so isolated. Absolutely. Um, and what did somebody say? They're going to die of loneliness. Um, and, 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 and that's hard. And, and these kids who are cooped up, they're going nuts. Um, <laughs> Yeah, and just the fact that, you know, schools are closed, they're not eating well, but that you've sort of instilled skills in them that they know, you know, what if they can go to a food pantry or, you know, uh, staples are delivered or they figure out a way, they know how to cook something healthy for their family. That's a skill that's really, really helpful right now. It's so, these kids are so empowered. Um, and the kids who gravitate towards us are the kids who really are interested in food and they're interested in the dialogue. And they're sassy, and <laughs> yeah, and they're going to make a difference. You know, they're 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 bold. They experiment. Um, you know, and my life is is sort of divided between these two worlds of of extreme privilege, and um, and and food insecure. And what is so fun is to watch that passion about food on both ends of the spectrum. Right. To, see, to see these little kids just talking about what they're experimenting with and, and how they're tasting things and things they made for their families, um, it's great. Yeah, and I mean, you're preparing them to be leaders. One of the things that the, the Sylvia Center does is have uh, a culinary apprenticeship program, right? Right, right, can you right. Can talk a little bit about that? Yeah, so we work with high school kids. And we teach them, they, the first part of the program is they're learning their skills. And then we teach them how to teach these skills. Nice. And then they, the city helps us with a program where they work in summer camps in their communities teaching little kids. So it's almost like the oppressed become the oppressors. <laughs> you know, they, <laughs> they come in and, and, and they're pushing back. And, and then, you know, we teach, we put them in a position where all of a sudden someone's pushing back at them. 
and it's it's great it's great um, and they're so they're learning on on so many levels yeah that's really i i think that peer-to-peer -peer learning is really cool too that they're able to do that and, and and spread what they've learned i mean like like you said at the beginning you're you know you're planting seeds and and those seeds right. keep growing and spreading um i you know i know during this this crisis and you know all of the impacts that COVID 19 has has caused the sylvia center is sort of having to shift to more online resources. And I know you're putting together something kind of big that will be helpful, um, at, you know, in a couple of weeks. And that's resources for New Yorkers and online classes and, and online recipes. Is that right? Right. So what we're going to do, because, you know, it's like, how do you, how do you reach your audience through uh, webinars and, you know, all kinds of digital communication? Uh, so we have all our catering clients and uh, you know, the people we serve, you know, hundreds and hundreds of them who are home with their kids, yeah. uh, who are cooking. And it's great because we're going to bring the Sylvia Center curriculum into their lives. So, you know, instead of just addressing one group of kids in New York, we'll hopefully be exposed to all different kinds of kids. Um, yeah. So we're really excited about that. And it, it's great profile for the organization because like all other good non-for-profits, you know, there's, there's no spring event. Um, <laughs> uh, so we were just talking about our summer event up at the farm, which is typically a buffet, which is a big no-no now because there's no more communal eating. And at, at, at long tables, which is also inappropriate. So we've <laughs> talked about, well, maybe August we'll do a picnic basket dinner. Oh, so you, nice. um, you get it. And then instead of sitting at a table, you bring a blanket and you're going to just sit out in the field. And you could be six feet away from your, you know, from someone else or, or, or not. So, I mean, there, there, there will be life after this. Absolutely. And these creative sorts of ways of, of, you know, planning ways to be communal that aren't as sort of physically close, I think is, you know, it's the, the ingenuity that's coming out of this. I shouldn't be surprised that like, you know, chefs and, and the food uh, community is it sort of a leadership on that kind of ingenuity and creativity. But I've been hearing some really inspiring things this week. You know, I'm, I'm interested since you've been, you know, you've been, like you said, through Hurricane Sandy, you've been through, um, you know, 9-11. Those are all very different disasters. You know, six or eight or 18 months from now, what do you think sort of the, the food environment of New York City, you know, will look like? How different will it be? Um, so, you know, one of the things that we should keep in mind is that regardless of this interlude uh, crisis, uh, the food scene's been changing really dramatically for the last two years. Uh, less formal dining, more takeout. Uh, you know, to me, takeout, the old days, you, you had to call up and then you could do it. It, it, it. It's like this whole sophisticated industry around takeout and, and ghost kitchens and the effect of this transitional generation that is really changing the way people work, the way people communicate, the way people drive, the way they rent apartments. Mm -hmm. And I think we can't sort of think that all this change is, is coming from post-virus. Sure. It's, it's, it's really because of this generational shift in, in how people live. Yeah. So I think, first of all, people 
have a way of rebuilding in places of natural disaster. So to some extent, I'm really hopeful that we'll go back to our old bad habits. Um, and, and then we'll factor into that this, this sort of gradual shift that's been happening anyhow. A lot of small people are going to get really, really hurt. Uh, right. It will take time. And, and I think another question about what this recovery looks like really depends on whether or not we can pull out economically. Yeah. Um, you know, if it's everybody gets better, it goes back and the world goes on. But, you know, will we have a deep recession? Uh, you know, how will businesses start to recover? And that will very much speak to what happens to, to the hospitality industry. Absolutely. I mean, I don't think we all realized until, I mean, people like you and I realized probably, but like so many people didn't realize how big the hospitality industry, you know, is in, in, in the United States and around the world and how many people it employs and how affected we all are if those people are not healthy, if they're not working, you know, it's, it's a huge sort of impact that I don't think most Americans have seen until now. Yeah. And, you know, it was, it, <laughs> it's restaurants, it's stadiums. Right. And, and hotels. Right. I mean, it's just massive. And, and there are these global food service companies um, that, uh, I mean, somebody was feeding all those folks for doing uh, the Olympics. And I'm yeah. hoping it's canceled or, no, it's postponed. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's postponed. But the, 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 the breadth of the hospitality industry is massive. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, and and I don't, I, I, I can't really say whether or not the the stimulus has um, affected all parts of us. Um, you know, we've got to figure all that out. Yeah, yeah, I think there needs to be a little bit more equality in how those those um, you know the small business loans and the other things that, that they need to to reach the people who actually need them, and that you know remains to be seen. And I think what well, you know. Obviously, there's there's going to be need to be more federal aid after this too. This isn't just a one time thing, and then everything's going no to be no question okay. about it. And and to navigate the options, everybody will need a consultant Absolutely. because it is mind bending just trying to figure out: Do I apply for this? What does this mean? Yeah. Um, am I at a threshold? Uh, it's crazy. It, it'll, you know, it'll be interesting to see the industries that thrive because of this. Absolutely. I mean, there's going to be some much needed lawyers. I mean, we were talking at the Harvard Food uh, Law Policy Clinic uh, earlier this week, maybe yeah. last week, but I think earlier this week. And, you know, those, those students who are working on food law and regulation, I think they're going to be more needed than ever. And who knew, you know, uh, we, we put down lawyers a lot, but I think this is a time when small businesses and medium-sized businesses are really going to have to call on those folks to help them navigate the, these very complicated processes. And the city should help make that happen for small businesses Absolutely. because um, that, I mean, that has to be pro bono work for, for, for a lot of our small businesses. Absolutely. absolutely. And the state. And, and, you know, I'm, I'm proud to be in New York where we have strong leadership um, and I, I, I'm sure it is on their radar. Yeah. I, you know, th that's a good point. You, you've had fairly strong leadership in, in New York city during this time when we haven't, and, and the state of New York, uh, you know, that hasn't happened in all states and certainly not so much at the federal level. What would, if you had, you know, your, your congressperson's ear or, you know, the, the governor's ear right now, what would you like them to know about what you as a, as a small business owner focused on food, you know, what would you want them to help you with? 
Well, I think it's, it's more of a, a small business as opposed to a small food business. I think the issue of taking care of the workforce cannot fall squarely on employers. And I think that's, that's a big issue. Uh, most people in the hospitality industry, it's not the giant global corporations uh, or the large national ones. It's, it's small businesses. And um, there's, you know, and again, we've been going in this direction of uh, more and more mandated benefits, which I believe in. Um, but to get through this, we are going to need help uh, if somebody has a disease, a, an illness related to the virus. It should be covered under, and they're working, it should be a workman's comp or a disability claim. Um, unemployment, I'm glad to see that number go up. That's a federal initiative. But, but uh, sick days, vacation days, you know, all these things that we've been moving towards, which are really important uh, yeah. for, for workers and for the industry, uh, it, it's my, my the, the pain I feel is that it all falls on, on the business owner. And at our scale, it's it's really really punitive, right? It's it's too much, and you're right. That's where the state and the Fed needs to really come in and, and help you all get through this and manage the crisis. You know, right now and and again, you know, eight, ten months from now, when you're still going to need help, you know, when you know, I, I think when you know a, a vaccination becomes available and all of these things, and you know the the infection rate dies down, what we're going to have to do is really focus on on farmers and producers and, and, you know, the, the catering and hospitality world and the restaurant world, because they're going to need a lot of help after this. And the nonprofit world. A lot of my clients are nonprofits. <laughs> yeah. And I, right. Uh, and I'm <laughs> yeah. give, gen give generously. You, you guys make a really, really big difference in the food world, but it's, I mean, they're, they're decimated. And, yeah. and, and again, depending and everybody's, sheltering their money and everybody's worried how long this thing is going to go for. Um, you know, we work with a lot of nonprofits who some of them are, are rolling their fundraising events to the fall. Some can't, some are going to wait till next year. I know, um, I it's, it's really tough. It's really tough. So, and so nonprofits need government guidance and support. Karen Hopkins is doing something really great out there in terms of saying we need a Marshall Plan for, for cultural institutions. So I think we're going to have to see a lot of cooperation between uh, affiliated groups to, to help each other get out of this. Such a great point and, and such a good one to end on. Before we go, I want you to give um, the the website for both great performances and the Sylvia center. So people can donate and that they can engage with what you're doing. Okay. Well, it's sylviacenter.com. Oh, no, whoops. Sorry. Sylviacenter.org. Sylvia and, uh, and you can find us really easily. Uh, Greatperformances.com. If you are in the food world, hospitality and need some work the next couple of weeks, look us up because we could use uh, we could use some workers who uh, want to make a difference. That's great. So again, greatperformances.com. Uh, you can reach out to Liz directly there. And uh, if you're looking for a job, she's, she's looking for you. And then the sylviacenter.org. Liz, you're amazing. Please stay well. The world needs you. Um, I'm, I'm so pleased you could join us today. Again, this uh, livecast will also be available on our podcast, Food Talk with Danny Nirenberg. 
uh, and we'll have more information about Liz, great performances in the Sylvia Center on our website at foodtank.com. Please join us again on Monday at 1 p.m. where we'll be talking to Cesare Assad, the CEO of the San Francisco nonprofit business accelerator, FS6, to discuss how we realign resources to support those who are feeding uh, the United States both ethically and sustainably. Thank you again, Liz. Take care. Thank you for being a great leader. Thank you. <laughs> Take care. Bye. Thank Bye -bye. you. Bye-bye. Cool. That was great. Thanks, Rob. You're the best. Thanks, Rob. You're the best. Have a great weekend. You too. Be safe. Yeah, you know, working from home means you never leave the office. <laughs> Always in my living room now. Bye. Take care. Bye-bye. Thanks so much for listening to Food Talk with Danny Nirenberg. Please rate, review, subscribe, and share the podcast. Make sure to return to foodtank.com every day for original reporting and analysis on the most pressing issues impacting our food system.